0: having that opportunity to speak to the leader of the free world about what you've got going on in your industry and it did hit me right as I was walking up onto the stage and like you said you see that seal of the president of the United States on a podium and you're sitting there going hmm that's kind of a that's kind of a big deal to stand behind that thing give a speech
1: hello and welcome to wherever John may roam the National Corn Growers Association podcast This is where leaders, growers and stakeholders in the corn industry can turn for big picture conversations about the state of the industry and its future. I'm Dusty Weiss and I'll be introducing your host, Association CEO John Doggett. You can join John here every month as he travels the country on a mission to advocate for America's corn farmers. From the fields of the Corn Belt to the DC Beltway, we'll make sure that the growers who feed America have a say in the issues that are important to them, with key leaders who are shaping the future of agriculture. In this episode, the NCGA's outgoing board president, Kevin Ross, had a term in office unlike any other. From a Twitter battle with the world's largest beer brewer, to a public speech with President Donald Trump, to the NCGA's response to the COVID-19 pandemic. We'll unpack all of these moments from this Iowa Growers year in office and look forward to what's next for Kevin and for the industry. If you haven't yet, make sure you're subscribed to this podcast in your favorite app, That way you can take us with you in your truck, your tractor, or on your next trip and never miss an update from John. Also make sure you follow the NCGA on Twitter at National Corn and sign up for the National Corn Growers Association newsletter at NCGA.com. And with that, it's time to once again introduce John. John Doggett, the CEO of the National Corn Growers Association. John, in more than six decades of NCGA history... You'd be hard-pressed to find an NCGA president who's had a more interesting tenure than our guest today, outgoing President Kevin Ross.
2: Dusty, that's right. You know, you think about what has happened to not only NCGA and the corn industry, but to our country in the last year or so, and that has been amazing. And uh, we were very fortunate to have Kevin Ross, a farmer from western Iowa, heading our organization during that time. And, um, He certainly has stepped up even before he was president. Some interesting opportunities to be out front. He was a subplot during the Super Bowl a couple years ago. He stood up on a stage with President Trump and uh, turned around and urged him to do some things on ethanol and was pretty forceful and hopefully pretty effective in doing so. And that was all before he became president. And then after he became president, a few months later, COVID hit. So here we are. Kevin still managed to get to the White House a couple times for passage of some really important policy priorities for NCGA. So Kevin, welcome. Thank you for all that you have done. You are now chairman of the National Corn Growers Association. You're still very, very involved, but you're looking back on a a really interesting couple years.
0: Uh, Yeah, it's a It's been pretty amazing for uh, just a farm kid from Southwest Iowa to see what the broader ag world can hold and the impacts you can have on it in different ways. So it's been a lot of fun and and an absolute privilege to do that for my fellow growers. But yeah, to say the least, it's been a very interesting last couple of years, and it's going to be uh, even more interesting next few, I'm sure, but uh, you never know what's around the corner so before we get into to
2: some of the things that have happened in the last couple of years, let's let's talk a little bit about Kevin. Certainly, you are the epitome. Of that old saying, you know, behind every successful man is a is a very surprised woman. You are married to, to Sarah, who who we all know it.
0: I thought you're gonna <laughs> thought you're gonna say behind every sexy man, and I was really gonna wonder where this podcast was going, John.
1: Yeah,
2: Kevin, no, that's a that's a that's another guess. That that's the one so, next month, Kevin. I'm
0: sorry, <laughs> we've gone off the rails already, guys.
1: <laughs> In record time, even that's great. Yeah.
0: So um, it's amazing. I don't know how this happens to me.
2: <laughs> so Kevin. Tell us about your family. Tell us about your farm. Tell us about your community.
0: Yeah, so I uh, uh, appreciate that question, first of all. I think it's, uh, I like to talk about my hometown, something that, that we don't get a chance to do very often, but um uh, from, from southwest Iowa, a little town called Underwood. My address is Minden, but uh, I kind of claim all of southwest Iowa in general, it's a uh, uh it's just home for me and and uh know a lot of the back roads down here better than most folks and so uh i got buddies that, that would call me Rand mcnally because i could take him down every gravel road in southwest iowa and, and know where i was at so we farm right near interstate 80 actually the, the farm i grew up on is right along interstate 80 we got uh, four little boys that are here on the farm with us uh wife sarah and hudson axton carver and hollis Yeah, certainly uh, a lot of fun. I'm a sixth generation on the farm I live on. My mom's side of the family and the farm I grew up on was the fifth generation. So actually a unique fact that I'm probably one of very few people in the U.S. that actually live next door to both of their sets of grandparents for uh, an extended period of time. So I think that's... Kind of a neat deal and certainly, uh, was, uh, pretty awesome to be able to be that close to both your sets of grandparents growing up.
1: Six generations on the same farm. That's an impressive stretch. When did your family settle in that part of Iowa?
0: Uh, late 1800s, uh, settled in Council Bluffs. The the one side of my family did anyway, and actually owned a brewery in Council Bluffs. So (laughs) I come by my love of beer, honestly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I owned a, a brewery there and actually where the, the site of that brewery in council plus is now a uh, mercy hospital. And, uh, that's where, uh, one of the two large hospitals in council plus Iowa sits now. It's kind of a neat piece of history here. Uh, local history for us too.
2: Very cool. That is cool. So Kevin, remind us again, how old are the boys?
0: 10, eight and, uh, excuse me, almost eight. And, uh, the, the twins just turned five here, uh, last week. So unbelievable where time flies. I it, blows me away that those those little torps are five already
2: (laughs) it kind of amazes me too because i remember when they were just born so kevin tell us what do you love about farming i know you love farming i know you love the corn industry but what do you love about farming
0: oh man lots of different things you know there's a maybe i like to be frustrated i don't know (laughs) there's a lot of different things about agriculture, especially on the farm here that, you know, are challenging. And I think it's just probably those challenges that that make it enjoyable because the victories, the small victories that you have throughout many different times of the day and and certainly throughout the year, different things like that. But I think for me, it's a lot of it's about being able to do so many different things with the farm. Obviously, corn, soybeans, cattle uh, for us. And, you know, I'm I'm not somebody who's a routine guy, and uh, you guys would all... (laughs) know that pretty well. It just doesn't, doesn't work for me. So having those differences, I think in what I get a chance to do and the variety is probably one of the things that really appeals to me. Just really enjoy agriculture in general. It's fascinating to me how we grow food and how we raise animals and really the processes that go through that. I mean, if I get a chance to go to different farms, to the different places where people grow other crops, I mean, I truly am uh, intrigued as to you know, what types of things that they are able to do and have to do to grow different vegetables or different grains. And I don't know, something that's always been in my blood. I find interesting and certainly enjoy the, like I said, the hard work and the satisfaction that comes from building something of your own too, I think is a lot of it too.
2: So Kevin, you've been involved in corn growers for quite a while. Walk us through, how did you get started? Where did you get started? What did you do? And what led you to finally deciding to run to be an officer for uh, the National Congress Association.
1: I think what he's asking you, Kevin, is looking at the workload that you already had on your plate, what made you look at that and say, you know what, I want to do a little more work. There you go.
0: In a lot of ways, I don't, uh, you know, I don't view it as work. To me, it's having an impact. I and mean, it certainly does take time, but similar to the way I view my job, I think, uh, you know, here on the farm, I, you know, if you really like what you do, then it's not work, right? So even though it may consume ungodly amounts of time. <laughs> um, but corn growers, I, I had a cousin that got me involved at the Iowa level. He was going to be president of Iowa Corn. My cousin, David Seek. Dave's a farmer from South Accounts Council Bluffs, And uh, he called me up and said, hey, uh, I'm going to be president of Iowa Corn Growers this year. Uh, he says, I'm, you're going to be a member. I'm going to put you on a committee. And this was right after college for me. I'd been farming for a while throughout college, driving back and forth, and, and farming my own ground back here, so I did have some uh, knowledge of corn growing already, and certainly been around it my whole life. But got involved then at Iowa, and just enjoyed the impacts that you can have. And I think you know it's an organization that really, truly focuses from the you know the ground up and has the ideas and the ability to influence policy from the, the farmer themselves and talking about the issues that an organization like NCJ or in that case, Iowa Corn Growers, can help influence and help fix for, for growers across the country. And for me, that was an enjoyable experience to be able to do that. But after I got involved further with it, it just, you know, I got to see uh, on the inside of these associations, the real reach. Uh, I wish more people could see that because uh, the amount of people that, A, that we're speaking on behalf of, but be the the people that we're speaking to on behalf of them it's really such a broad diverse group of people and it's really the entire country and in the entire world in so many cases and it's a big job and that's why you you know want to elect uh, really good people to represent you certainly hope that People can walk away and and uh, and and hopefully point at me and say that uh, I was one of those people that they wanted in that position. But it's just it's just an absolutely fantastic opportunity, and I wish more people could understand. And, and hopefully, I can convey those messages to them about what these organizations are really, you know, how broad they really are, because it's so tough to see from. You know, we do a great job of communicating, but even at the, the, the president of the National Association, there's just so many things going on that you got to have a lot of people working and a lot of things moving because you're, you know, you're talking on behalf of the entire industry. That's just such a neat thing. And and uh, I don't know, that, that type of involvement for me was was something that just jumped out and said, hey, uh, you can have an impact here and other folks along with them. We've been able to you know do some really good things at National Corn and, and Iowa Corn too.
2: All right, Kevin. So you've been involved for quite a while, and you ran for the board some years ago. Why did you decide to run for the board, and what did you want to do when you got on the board?
0: Oh man, you know the opportunity to get onto the the national corn board. I think is first of all, you, you know, you have to be voted on there, and and so taking the uh, chance and the moment to give a speech in front of a whole lot of delegates. It's a little daunting when you're talking about a whole lot of great leaders across uh, America that are sitting in there as delegates from different states but really thought that uh could have an impact on the board and there's a lot of great leaders on that board that uh you'd like to learn from and and spend time with and try to move an industry forward and that's really what it came down to me i felt like it could have uh some good discussions and impact with uh with the group that was there and certainly uh as i grew into that role and got comfortable on the board was able to transfer into the leadership type roles and then help build the, the board behind me. And it's really a privilege to do that, but also a chance to, to really help develop other people's leadership skill sets too. And that's, for me, something that really enjoy and, and enjoy uh, trying to draw the ideas out of people in a boardroom and moving the association forward.
2: Well, Kevin, what are the two, three, four things that stand out to you the most, the, the memories you're going to have years and years from now, your time as an officer at NCGA?
0: Hmm. Well, most people forget things in their later years, John. So I don't, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I tell you what, there's a lot of things in this last year that were memorable experiences. And certainly when you get Pete Coors delivering you a truckload of beer, um, that was pretty awesome. I don't think that happens every day. You know, look back at, uh, speaking, you know, with the president or at the, the, the podium, uh, with the presidential seal in front of it, that's uh, an experience that very few people have the chance to do. And actually, is not just the experience uh, giving the speech, but actually writing that speech was. Uh, probably one of the more fun things I've ever had the opportunity to take on and, and you know, in a challenge and thinking about a lot of different ways to represent agriculture when, you know, when writing that. So that was actually probably one of the most memorable things that I've ever done, you know, and just having the chance to go to the White House a few different times and see some trade agreements signed. But in all honesty, some of the best memories that I'll have are, are just uh, of grower interactions where I've had a chance to go to uh, different states and different state associations and some of their meetings, as well as our own uh, Commodity Classic and Corn Congress and different things like that where i have a chance to to hear directly from uh grower members and and people from all across the u.s about the issues that we want to address at ncga
1: kevin you and i first met about uh, 10 months ago when we were first launching this podcast and at the time neil kasky vice president of communications for the national corn growers association says to me you're going to meet kevin when we record this episode of the podcast and so i want you to study up on him here go watch this video of him appearing on stage with president trump and i watched it and i went holy cow this guy's not afraid to give his peace of mind to anybody what was it like for you sitting in a hotel room with your family getting ready to meet the president and knowing that you were going to say some things and advocate pretty hard on behalf of the corn industry with the leader of the free world
0: uh you know i was kind of zoned out and in my own (laughs) my own little area right there trying to
1: you just got a blacked
0: out try, exactly uh trying to go over a speech and you know and that thing wasn't really finalized till uh i think it's about 7 30 that morning and uh right before our meeting we had a board meeting that day and before we went down to uh the sire ethanol plant uh south of council bluffs and so yeah it was uh it was one of those things you don't get a whole lot of sleep that night before because you're running through this thing in your head and you know, it was an experience where you you knew you had a lot of folks to represent, you know, held close to my home community. So there was a lot of local folks there as well as a lot of national media and and other people that uh, were there. And then so many people that were passionate about agriculture and ethanol and corn. And it was just such a unique opportunity. And in a lot of ways, you felt like, at least I felt like there was a pretty big weight on your shoulders when you're having that opportunity you know to take a few moments and speak to like you said the leader of the free world about what you've got going on in your industry and it was not just him that you're speaking to because you know you were live on broadcast and I don't know how many people watched it but certainly you know it was a uh, in the hundreds of thousands or millions, I don't know how many watch a normal presidential speech, but it was a pretty big moment for for agriculture anyway. Uh, it it did hit me right as I was walking up onto the stage, and like you said, you see that seal of the President of the United States on a podium, and you're sitting there going, "Hmm, that's kind of a that's kind of a big deal to stand behind that thing, and give a speech." But it really, you know, up until that point, yeah, I was writing it, and then like I said, kind of zoned out, making sure you're you're getting all the right things in the speech. I got a follow-up to, to that question uh, as well.
1: Neil Kasky, vice president of communications for the National Corn Growers Association, joins us as well.
0: I was kind of in, in the back of the podium, and I remember looking out. I saw your family was just right front and center. So they lived that experience with you. I mean, what did they say to you when you were done? What did they say? And I'm just kind of curious what their experience was like through it. You yeah, know, it was neat because... Uh... I did ask if we could end up getting uh, my boys back there to meet the president. And I thought for the longest time, you know, I, well, I shouldn't say the longest time. She only knew about this whole deal about a week ahead of time. And, and it was really only a couple of days beforehand that I realized they were serious that they wanted me to speak. <laughs> I, I thought they were joking the whole time. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> uh, um, so I ended up asking. I thought, shoot, you know, it's an opportunity and to have them meet the president and and what I said to you know our staff and uh, and you guys, if you recall, was that you know if, if there was any second or reason that you thought it would take away from the messages that I had to give from NCGA standpoint, I wasn't going to do it. But that was not the case, and you know, you guys sh- assured me of that. But I was able to bring my older two boys back there to see uh, and meet the president, and certainly, uh, you know, for them, what a what an awesome experience. And you know, the the, the twins were only about I don't know three and a half or something at the time. So they wouldn't, uh, you know, really understood by any means, but yeah, they were sitting out in the crowd with the governor and, and, uh, <laughs> and have pictures with the twins being held by the governor of Iowa, who's a good friend of mine and a fantastic governor, but such a neat day, um, from a family aspect too, because they had opportunities to see that moment. You know, hopefully it's something that they take themselves and, don't get nervous about public speaking and things like that because they've seen, uh, you know, seen me do it in different ways that uh, a lot of people don't get a chance to experience. But it was something else. You know, it really was because I had a lot of friends in the crowd too, a lot of people that, that I knew from the area or from a long ways away that had even driven in. And uh, I think it—I think it opened the eyes of, of my parents a little bit. To uh, they're like, "Wow, he actually does do a lot of stuff, <laughs> or, or actually does do something for, for for agriculture." I don't know. It was uh, it was pretty neat to see. I think my mom's reaction—they uh, do a lot of things for me on the farm when I'm gone, and you, know, you could tell the pretty proud moments for them. And and so that was something something pretty neat when you know you're you know you <laughs> you made your parents happy for once. <laughs> I'm usually on the other end of that.
1: Hopefully it made it all worthwhile for him.
2: How many teenage car accidents did that overcome?
0: Oh, that was that was a couple. That was a couple. Yeah. There's a truck that got rolled over. Oh, geez.
1: John, you're a guy that spent a lot of time around Washington. You've met presidents, senators, members of Congress. How many folks do you know that would have had the presence of mind and the guts to get up on a stage with the president and give the speech that Kevin gave, but then turn around and advocate with a very, very strong voice on behalf of the corn and ethanol industry like he did. Well,
2: two things. Well uh, you know I've, I've been around farmers and ranchers, my, most of my uh, uh, career, uh, this is my third ag trade association I've worked for you know, work with the The best one. This is the best one. Well, it's the one that's kept me around longest to Kevin. So, you know, there is some benefit to that. (laughs) The rest of it was pretty not not so good. But I would say, you know, one of the things that is, is so interesting to me watching people run for office in these trade associations is they have to stand up in front of their peers and and to get elected to the board at NCGA. You have to stand in front of about 130 of your peers and give a two-minute speech and have folks decide whether they want you to be elected or not. And then the board has to elect you to become an officer. So you already have stepped up. But when you have to step up on the stage with the President of the United States and not only give your spiel and make your point, But Kevin needed to turn around and say to the president rather emphatically, we got a problem here, and you're the guy that can fix it, and we need you to fix it. And I wouldn't call it chutzpah, but I I certainly would say having the presence of mind and the courage and the confidence and the ability to articulate that. We had the right guy on the right stage in the right place at the right time uh, when Kevin had that conversation with the president in front of a whole bunch of people.
0: So within a span of of six months, four months, Kevin was a subplot of a Super Bowl mentioned on Good Morning America, the Today Show, uh, among many others. Uh, And then just a a handful of months later, he's on stage with the president, you know, um, in front of the entire world. I mean, that is a that that doesn't happen to too many people. And when you just think about that, I mean, what what kind of comes to mind? I don't know just another day in the life. <laughs> no, it's, um, it, it is, uh, interesting. I don't know. I I find myself in amazing positions and opportunities. And and those were certainly two completely unique ones that it, yeah, I don't know if, uh, if somebody will have a, uh, have the opportunity at NCGA to do something like that again. I hope so. Uh, you know, I certainly do. I think there's uh, a lot of things that just happened to fall into place, you know, like, uh, like you said, with that one in Colorado, we would just happened to be in meetings the next day out there in Denver. And that was a, a big change. You know, those types of things. There's, uh, just some, I don't know if some things are just meant to be or what, but, uh, it, it certainly provided opportunity that we could leverage and we could put us out there. And, uh, we took some shots, I think swung the bat a little bit. And, uh, Hit a little hard on some things, but uh, it's really put us in, I think, a new position as an organization in some ways, and you got to keep swinging.
1: There's a show that's popular right now, and and it's at least probably well known to all of our kids. A show called Hamilton, and they make a big deal about being in the room where it happened. John and Kevin, over the past couple of years, and, and certainly coinciding with Kevin's tenure here, the NCGA has spent a lot of time in the room where it happened. What does that mean? for the organization's ability to advocate on behalf of its members.
2: What it means is that you have an opportunity to articulate the need that your growers have to have fulfilled, and it gives you an opportunity to explain why, and it gives you an opportunity to explain that it is good not only for corn farmers and rural communities, but it's good for our nation. And you can't do that from outside the tent. You need to be in the tent or in the room because if you're not, there's not much reason for you to be around at all.
0: I think yeah, that's a really good point, John, about giving you the opportunity. I mean, you're not going to get everything you want, but you have to be able to have that chance to, to talk about it and talk about the needs of the industry. And man, it, you know, we talked about other things that have happened, but one of the best meetings that, that I had as president was, you know, with the head of US Trade and, and Bob Lighthizer. That was a Man, fascinating chance in uh, a great conversation about trade, you know, and the needs of the corn industry. And and uh, at the time we were talking about China, and issues there, but the conversation expanded well into other countries and other places that we needed, you know, access to. And and I think that was one of the, from my experience, it was one of the best meetings that I think I've been in from a high level aspect. And and I think we conveyed those messages again very very well in that meeting. And and I actually was very impressed with certainly the people that we have representing us in those, uh, those positions as well. But they, they heard it. We were in the room. And, then, and that's what you're asking for is those, those types of opportunities.
2: You know, and I think the other thing when we look at being in the room and the need to articulate what you need to articulate for your, your membership, the biggest lift is getting in the room. And it's having the political capital. It's having the gravitas. It's having the reputation that you need to be in the room Then when you get in the room, it's easier, but it's getting into that room, and that that is what lobbyists and trade associations and trade association leaders do all the time, is making sure you're in a position that when the time comes that you will be there to do the things that the folks back home are counting on you to get done. Kevin, uh, a couple months ago, we put together an effort that you're chairing about short-term demand for the corn industry. Tell us about that.
0: Yeah, So um, we're working on, uh, it's basically a strategy to move the corn industry forward short-term to try to, I guess, evaluate the current markets that we have. And then, you know, how can we beef up those markets that are there? We're not looking to Uh, necessarily create another 15 billion bushels of demand and double the corn market it's it's about how do we best serve the the markets that we have and really create incremental demand through that because we've had some rough times here recently in in prices and i don't want to ever say luckily because of a bad weather event but the derecho that rolled through iowa certainly caused some uh, major uh, demand concerns there as well as we've we've seen a lot of trade uh, things pop up and and now prices are in a lot better spot than they were even when we started that effort but the effort is still very very valid and And uh, the crew that we hired Aimpoint to help us serve this need and work on our demand plan, uh, if you will, I think is a good effort in general because you're going to evaluate what we have in place, the markets that we're already serving, and then how do we uh, utilize those folks that are in those industries to help us help us help them in some ways and work to build demand for corn. I think we're going to learn a lot about our current state of the industry throughout this process and then also, you know, be able to, to then move forward and say, okay, what are the next opportunities? What's the, what's the long-term ones that so we will learn more about the long-term opportunities, which we certainly focus on a lot, but the short-term opportunities and how do we quickly chew through, you know, large, large carryouts of corn because we were staring at uh, what was potentially going to be a 3 billion bushel carryout. And that's a lot of corn that was going to put a lot of pressure on prices here in the U S. And, and so, you know, we felt the need to do something and uh, credit our staff and our uh, board for having that insight to say, Hey, let's, let's take on this type of project and uh, let's see what we can do in, uh, in a different way, you know, to move, move the industry in the right direction. So given,
2: given your boundless energy, we get done with this Aimpoint project and we're hoping to have the report rolled out in December that still leaves you 10 months of being a chairman of of this organization. So what do you want to get done in that 10 months after you get this other problem solved?
0: (laughs) Well, I hope, uh, you know, I hope we've got a, a, you know, a lot of things pointed in the right direction with the, with the endpoint plan, first of all, and have and identified some really key areas that we can improve on and help our partners across the industries that use corn. Uh, and so those are key things from that aspect, but it's also helping build the relationships for the, the next guys coming in, the next president, John Linder, and, and the next first vice president, Chris Edgington and, and the rest of the board. Uh, you know, I've had, uh, again, an opportunity to very quickly build some I think key relationships and some some high spots in USDA as well as other places uh, across industries that we touch as well as government but helping those guys uh, build their relationships with people and and any introductions I can make to ease the the transition and keep NCJ at the top of their game I, it's certainly uh, some of the biggest goals I have because you know this organization represents me every day too and if I can uh, help the the folks that are coming in to, to the next spot you know that's that's part of my job as Chairman
2: you know, one of the things I, I hate to do is look back and dig up uh, regrets, but I do know there is a regret that you have about your tenure as an officer, one that we haven't completely abandoned yet, we hope happens next summer, that revolves around baseball. <laughs> and so, can you explain to corn farmers that might be listening to this podcast, why should their organization be involved in in a baseball game
0: well to me it's a no-brainer i mean it's a this is a game that's you know held in the middle of a cornfield based on the movie field of dreams and i might be slightly partial because it is held in the state of iowa but first of all that movie is is one that's iconic for so many people and the subplots of that movie being you know if you build it they will come and talking about you know dreams in general and building a farm legacy and and different things like that there's so many pieces that uh, I think people relate to well in that movie and certainly it's a generational thing in some ways but when that comes back here next year and that game actually happens I think you'll see a a whole lot of a new generation of kids that happen to see that movie for the first time which which will be a neat deal but for us, you know, what an opportunity, Uh, what an opportunity to talk about the messages of corn and the broad impacts that it has. You know, like you talked earlier about how important the crop is in general to the world economy, not just the the economy of our state or my state here, but uh, uh, the nation uh, as well. How do we uh, take an opportunity like that and really show people what uh, what's out there from a uh, from a corn standpoint and really highlight a lot of the things that corn farmers are doing from either sustainability practices or, you know, just uses of corn i'm not sure what all directions we're going to take this thing but you can't beat this opportunity from a national stage and having the the chance to reach so many people even just some impacts about you know talking about farmer image and knowing what we do you got to take advantage of this one this is a uh, it's america's pastime meeting up with america's crop and it's a big deal for corn i think
2: well, and, and hopefully people won't mistake you for Kevin Costner, but you know. We, That's happened. It's happened a couple of times. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So Kevin, Kevin, in, in 10 months, you will be uh, free at last. What's next for Kevin Ross? Because I cannot imagine that Minden, Iowa is going to be seeing you all the time. What's next on your list?
0: you know i don't know i certainly have absolutely enjoyed every second of the uh, the time i've spent with the organization and, and will enjoy and, and work hard the next 10 months as well so you know i've always not not tried to look past the job at hand and and uh make sure that we're doing the, you know the job that needs to be done in the position that i'm in and so the, you know first comes first with that but yeah there's a, a part of me that wonders what's next you know, couldn't tell you. There's a lot of things that, uh, again, I enjoy about agriculture and and having uh, the chance to meet so many different people that are passionate about their job and their industry. So, we'll see. I certainly feel like uh, I've got a lot of things to hopefully give and also to learn to learn more about the ways that we impact the world and and uh, and what we do every day and and what uh, what farmers do. So, we'll see. I don't I don't rule anything out. Uh, I think that scares my family, but it's one of those things that you know I welcome different opportunities and. You know, I love the farm, love what we do here and, you know, if that means I'm I'm here more often, that's fantastic too, but we'll see what comes next. I'm I'm not uh, I'm not ruling anything out yet.
2: Okay. So, Kevin Ross, chairman of the National Corn Growers Association, what would you say to your fellow corn growers that you haven't talked to personally? What would you say to them about the state of their industry and the state of their organization and things that They ought to be doing to help both of those things?
0: That's a good question. I think, you know, there's a lot of ways that farmers can continue to work in their industry, but. First of all, I'd say thank you to them in general for, uh, uh for the ones that are members and, and the folks that, uh, that aren't would certainly like to have them as members and, and for everybody that's uh, paying their check off out there, because those dollars are invested. And I think those are things that people need to know and understand. And I, and we do a good job of trying to communicate that stuff, but we also need, you know, we need the farmers out there to understand and take the time to, to learn about what their investments are doing in those, in those areas. But, you know, to me, You know, us moving the organization, you know, forward is really, really a big deal for how we represent farmers in the future and how we think about what's next on the horizon for the industry. But the industry is in good shape. Uh, The corn industry, you know, demand uh, worldwide is growing and, you know, at record levels. But there are threats out there to you know production, uh, agriculture, and, and the corn industry. There's threats that we deal with every day. Some the the membership hears about, and some that they don't. You know, because either we get it squashed beforehand, or there's long term threats that people just don't understand uh, without being at some of these levels. But I think we've got a lot of uh, competition is coming, and and there's competition from foreign countries like Brazil that is. Uh, expanding production every day and so you have to look at different farm policies that'll help people in the future that take into account a lot of different things and we've got threats from a production standpoint that you've got to look at but in general you know as an industry corn demand is high and corn you know it's a it's a great industry to be in We've just got a lot of challenges that we're going to be dealing with in the next number of years. The job is never done for an association like NCGA because there are things that are always popping up that you've uh, you've got to address and you got to work on. And we may not solve every issue in short term, but you know you got to work on them. You got to be part of those conversations and take those opportunities that, that you talked about earlier to insert influence and and push the envelope for an industry.
2: Kevin, when you became president of NCGA, October 1st, 2019. Did you know what the following two words were COVID and zoom? <laughs>
0: that's a, that's a good question, John. Um, I knew what zoom was, uh, we've done a few of those, but I could do without hearing that word ever again. If I had the chance, uh, uh I think, uh, I think most people are sick of online by now and, and, you know maybe some people really love it but it's not the same as being in person yeah and uh th- what was that other word again john
2: uh c o v uh. i d i think
0: yeah so covid uh i was hoping you're going to say corona cuz i did know what that word was but it was not what you're thinking <laughs> anyway uh yeah so covid certainly um, didn't have any clue there and you know at that time uh, what was going to happen, and wow, what a, yeah, what a difference in a year, uh, what's changed in our entire world. I don't think you know, there is no one out there that could have predicted this to the to the levels that have changed. Yeah, maybe somebody will take claim to it, but this has changed the world we live in from a lot of different ways, and, and not just here in the U.S. It was certainly worldwide, and that presented a lot of different challenges from an organizational standpoint and certainly from an industry standpoint and economy, but we dealt with them. We move forward. We definitely, we did a lot of Zoom meetings <laughs> and uh, we've changed uh, the way we had to do business there and had to even work within our own government. It changed uh, certainly a travel schedule that was jam-packed and all of a sudden, you know, almost overnight flips on its head and throughout the summer early until mid-July was pretty well shut down and what a change that uh, we made. You know, the one thing I was asked this the other day by a uh, by a grower, uh, I believe it was a grower in North Carolina that asked me, you know, something about uh, what was my biggest disappointment or discouragement. I'm not sure what they how, how they worded the question. I can't recall, but one of the things that I said was it was for me, one of the the spots that I know I have better talents in is being able to have that face-to-face meeting and build a quick rapport or relationship with uh, folks either in the federal government or whatever meeting we're in. And, and just not having that opportunity and being able to do that in this position was, that to me was probably the most disappointing thing that I couldn't, you know, utilize those opportunities in the best way to leverage them for NCGA. And, you know, it just, it basically cut out a number of months where we, you know, we just couldn't have those meetings. And, Anyway, I'm glad we've gotten back to a lot of them. They're not the same, and we're certainly, again, dealing with challenges with masks and and still Zoom and still uh, social or now social distance. That's another set of words I never thought I would put together, but... uh, social distance mean you know (laughs) that meant reaching across the bar and cheersing somebody before that was (laughs) (laughs) now now it's six feet apart and i don't think it's social at all (laughs) but you know these things are again they turned an industry on its head as well and and it wasn't just ours and they've got a lot of them that are flipped around it was the animal ag industry our partners there it was pretty much all other folks that are out through the travel industry, especially man, when I've traveled here recently, it's just unbelievable. And it's certainly no fun anymore. It wasn't exactly a blast before, but now, <laughs> now, now it's uh just, I mean, it's just different. And um, what, what a difference a, a, a few months makes, but, Hey, we're, we're moving on. We hope we can handle these things in a healthy way and keep people safe. But we have business to conduct as an organization and, and people that we represent. And that didn't stop when COVID hit. And we certainly didn't, didn't hit the pause button on anything. We just had to reroute a little bit and do some things a little bit different.
2: Well, as the CEO of the National Corn Growers, I, I have to say, as COVID hit and the realization came over all of us that life had changed significantly and that we would be doing things a lot differently. I had concerns. Uh, we all had concerns. But I, I have to say, I have to give a, a lot of credit to the staff, the management team, and certainly a lot of credit to the board and the officers, and, and in particular, you, Kevin. We've not missed much of a beat any place, and we have adapted. We've been innovative. It is interesting to see farmers who are so innovative on their farm, becoming innovative with virtual meetings and and those kinds of things. And it has proven to me that this organization has resiliency, it has a culture of innovation, of leadership, and that has been One of the things that, despite all of the problems we've had this year, has been absolutely outstanding. And so, Kevin, thank you so much for everything that you have done for this organization. Thank you for what you've done for our industry. Thank you for the trust you've put in me. I appreciate that. You and I have become good friends and like good friends. Occasionally, we've had a few arguments. and that's all been good but thank you so much for your leadership you've been a a great president uh, you're doing so far as chairman you're doing a pretty good job and i anticipate that you'll probably continue to do that
0: yeah we'll we'll see yeah, we're 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 9 days in i wouldn't pass judgment too quick on it <laughs> <Yeah.
2: laughs> it's been the best 9 days of your yeah. chairmanship i'll say that
0: uh, i appreciate that you know it's uh yeah, this time of year we're in you know into harvest and um it's a time of year where my phone you guys as staff try to try to back off on phone calls a little bit so that's that's appreciated but now as chairman i the, the phone has gotten a little bit lighter here too so uh you know I, again i really appreciate those comments and and uh absolutely echo uh from my perspective um It was a great year as president, you know, regardless of the issues that, that we dealt with from, from COVID or from other challenges that, that, that came up from an industry standpoint, we took them on head on, we took them on together with staff and board and and our grower membership alike and said, Hey, here's what we're dealing with. And we listened, we learned, and yeah, we've adapted. And, uh, it, it, man, I, I tell you, it's shocking to me how quickly we did really turn things on its head and, and we're able to move forward wasn't easy and you guys know far better than i from an internal standpoint and how many things had to change but again i really didn't feel like we lost anything either along the way we, we were able to connect with the people we needed to connect with phones are amazing things and certainly zoom regardless of my uh long-term thoughts about zoom it's uh, a <laughs> It has been a great uh, blessing in technology to to be able to deal with uh, social distance or the coronavirus issues or all the challenges in travel that we've had to do. It's helped us stay on our game, and we're going to keep doing it. And uh, as chairman, I'll I'll, uh, hopefully be able to advise or uh you know sit back and in, in the i told somebody the other day i was the old wise owl in the corner now but uh Who? i don't know if i'm Who? any wiser or not but uh, oh stop stop <laughs> <laughs> that's not even that's a that's a bad joke yeah. <laughs> 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 but uh, anyway it's been it's been great Uh, appreciate those comments and and uh, looking forward to future years of seeing what NCGA uh, does on my behalf as a grower and I'm looking forward to a good year as chairman too
2: well thank you Kevin Ross chairman of the the National Corn Growers Association farmer from Minden Iowa I'm John Doggett the CEO of the National Corn Growers Association we appreciate you being on and this has been Wherever John May Roam brought to you by NCGA
1: that is going to wrap up this edition of wherever john may roam the national corn growers association podcast new episodes arrive monthly so make sure you subscribe in your favorite podcast app and join us again soon visit ncga.com to learn more or sign up for the association's email newsletter wherever john may roam is brought to you by the national corn growers association and produced by PodCamp media branded podcast production for businesses podcampmedia.com for the national corn growers association thanks for listening I'm Dusty Weiss.